0: If you've ever found yourself at a loss for words when it comes to consoling someone who's grieving, or if you've ever wondered if what you're feeling in grief is normal or appropriate, if you've ever found yourself wondering if that grief is ever going to end, or how can I possibly move on with my life after experiencing a loss? then this episode is for you. You're listening to the Terry Holland Show, the podcast for high performing entrepreneurs ready to take your life and your business to the next level. And if you want to get there faster, go to terryholland.ca. Before we jump into this episode, the next accelerated NLP practitioner training is coming up April 17th to the 23rd. If you have ever been curious about NLP, if you think it can help level up your life, your business, your success, your relationships, then this is a training that you want to be on. It is completely online, so it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can participate in this live online NLP practitioner training, for certifications in one, NLP practitioner, hypnotherapist, timeline therapy practitioner, NLP coach. So if you want to join us for that, click the link in the show notes, terryholland.ca slash NLP NLP P R A C. Amanda Carson from Shift Winnipeg joins me on this episode of the Terry Holland show. And Amanda is a hypnotherapist, a social worker, meditation guide and end of life doula. Her mission is to introduce her clients to their limitless nature and provide a space where they feel seen and heard while they navigate the challenges that they experience in their lives. She specializes in supporting those who are experiencing anxiety, loss, grief, and preparing for the end of their lives. She reminds her clients how to harness their own unique strengths and inner resources and to recognize that they are their own best teacher, guide, and healer. Thank you, Amanda, for joining me today. I'm very excited to have you on and to talk about grief. So I've been wanting to have you on for a while because grief has been, like well, my number one episode of all time. And that tells me that my, my listeners are looking for more information about grief. And I think it's something that's not talked about enough. So I'm really excited to have you on today. Thank you. And
1: I feel very similar to you that I feel like grief is one of those things that is not spoken about enough, if, if much at all. And, and one of those things that I think through these conversations, perhaps we can get more comfortable with some of our own experiences and just learn what that actually looks like and feels like as we move through them.
0: So you're an end of life doula and I know you're also a social worker and you're a hypnotherapist, um, but an end of life doula, how did you, how did you come into doing that?
1: Yeah. Well, I started my social work career in long-term care and palliative care. And, you know, it was one of those instances where I was not going into that field with a desire to necessarily go into that, into that field. I wanted to work somewhat with health. Mm-hmm. but but never thought, you know, end of life care. And through my experiences in that, in that area, I fell in love with it very quickly. There's something about people when they're coming towards the end of their life. I mean, all, all ranges of things from sadness, heaviness to comical, almost just humor, Families coming together to support from community—it's—it's it's just such a wide range of of experience of emotion that can happen. And through that work, I just really quickly came to value our life and and also what it means to go through the dying process as a human being because it's something that we will all experience and again similar to grief i don't think we talk about dying very much in our society and and really i think we do anything that we can to avoid it yeah and so and so over the years um, i had continued in this field in different capacities in long-term care settings in hospitals and i was just finding that through this work again that that similarity with an experience was showing up right in people's in people's journeys and it was one of those things that i started to get curious about in terms of choice that people have around their dying process and what that looks like and in in my own experiences too personally i wanted to become more comfortable with my own mortality and understand what that means for me as a human being that will one day die and You know, we all have an idea of what that might be like. We kind of think about living out our life Mm -hmm. and, you know, passing away peacefully when we're in our sleep or something like that. Right. That's sort of the goal. But if I am going to die one day or when I die one day, I want to be able to feel that I've had a sense of choice in, in my life and also in my death. And so I decided to take that training to learn more about options for people. Because I don't know, I personally believe that having a sense of choice is one of the most important things as human beings. To me, choice is a sense of control in a way, it's that empowerment, we can, we can step into that. And even in a situation like death, where yes, we don't have a choice, of course, whether we will necessarily live or die, but there's so many choices that we can make along the way to allow that experience to be one that we can be more comfortable with that our family members can feel better about.
0: What are um what are some myths that you see around grief that uh, maybe maybe aren't true or it's not quite that way but just some common misconceptions or myths that you see regularly?
1: I think a big one is this idea of time. People mm-hmm. Kind of categorize grief as this much time that you'll grieve yeah. and then you're supposed to be done your grieving process and I, honestly i think up until recently that's what my mentality was around it as well and i know in my personal life and in my professional life i always wanted to be that person that came to it very strong and mm-hmm. being supportive of others and, and, you know, I would almost pride myself if I could go to a funeral and not cry, which sounds so bizarre, but it was almost right. It was almost this belief around like, I'm, I'm being strong and it's, I can show up for this person. And I don't know, I don't know what my, what my frame of thought was at that time, but oftentimes there's this idea that we'll grieve for a period of time and then we'll just carry on with our life, but that's not really the case you you will grieve a loss likely for the rest of your life but the way that you will experience that grief will change and we think about you know that acute grief when we've just experienced a loss and it's very fresh and new and mm-hmm. can sometimes almost just be debilitating and you know you and i were speaking earlier about the idea of things like brain fog and not being able to focus yeah or even read a book or just some of those things that we would normally maybe take for granted. And of course, in those early stages that that may be our experience. And then as time goes by and as we, we continue on our journey of of integration of our loss with our life and, and all that comes with that, right? We, we have jobs, we have families, we have our hobbies and our interests. And it's not that we, we just leave the grief at the door and and we don't think about it after a certain period of time. We will experience the waves of grief. We will have those moments where it kind of comes out of the blue and we weren't expecting it and there it is. And we'll feel maybe some sadness, but also maybe some happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be something that reminds us of a loved one that we really, you know, just brings a big smile to our face or we just feel like a full body shiver or something like that but that grief will will be with us throughout our life so that's one one of those myths that i i think i hear a lot and i would say the fact of the matter is that we'll grieve forever but the way that we're feeling in our grief will change just like any emotion and feeling that we have right i mean we've talked about that in the past before as well the way that we feel changes Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and and it's the same with this example
0: yeah, and I think I think for me, I expected it to be because I always heard of the stages of grief. Yeah. So I expected to go through these stages and like one after the other after the other. And I remember thinking, oh, now I'm in anger. Now I'm experiencing anger. Okay, what's next? And really like looking it up,
1: yeah. almost
0: like I could read a map of how to expect to feel. And then suddenly things would come up again, or it would change and be different. And uh and that wasn't what I expected. I expected to really follow this very clean outlined process of I'm gonna feel this way and then I'll feel this way. <laughs> and and it was not like that at all.
1: No, you're right. And it's interesting because the five stages of grief created by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, she was a psychiatrist. She worked in, you know, death and grief and loss for her her life. And mm-hmm. When she first coined those five steps, they were actually for those who had been receiving some sort of terminal illness diagnosis. And they knew that themselves they were going to die oh, and they would yeah. go through with, come up with as these five steps. And then somehow along the way, those started to get used as this, you know, these five stages of grief that we'll experience when we lose. Someone, so right. and you know, it's funny if, if people are interested in learning more about Elizabeth, she's just such a comical woman, uh, she's passed on now. But she kind of just said, you know, whatever, if people, if that's what they think, they can think that. But I, this is what I originally meant it to be,
0: well, and people so much more yeah. sense to me when you say it like that. Because I'm like, oh. Now those stages make sense in that context of someone receiving a terminal diagnosis, that would totally make sense. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that was what it was originally meant to be, you know, and um, and then somehow along the lines, it got a little bit, yeah, mismatched there. But I I think that people do still experience, like you said, right, like there's some anger there, there's bargaining. If, you might say if if this person can come back if they can live i'll do this i'll be xyz please let me you know please let them live um or there might be some of that depression right we just we can't we can't do the things that we normally do we can't get out of the house we just you know um and the one idea too of the the acceptance um i always love talking about that stage because sometimes when we hear the idea of acceptance, we mean that we are almost happy about it in a sense, like you come to this place where you accept it and you can feel good about it or something, but that doesn't necessarily, acceptance doesn't necessarily mean you're happy about it or you agree with it, or you, you're feeling good about what's happened. It's, it's just that you accept that something has happened and now what does that mean as you carry on in your life and move forward with the acceptance of the loss
0: yeah and i i saw on um on your website you talk about different forms of grief and i think you listed eight and you mentioned to me earlier as we were talking that there's there's way more than that and i didn't even think that there were eight That blew me away. So can you tell us a little bit about different types of grief and how we might experience them differently or how we might be experiencing them right now in our current world? Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's, that's the one that we were talking about earlier is the idea of these non-death losses,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? And so everything that's happened in this last year with, with this pandemic, there certainly has been a lot of people who have died and and that in itself for families, you know, I mean, especially if you haven't been able to be with loved ones during that time, I, that's a whole, a whole other thing, right? But these, but these idea of these non-death losses. So with this pandemic, people have lost work, income, Mm -hmm. social time with their people. Yeah. Even things like identity, purpose, meaning, have, have been lost. And we often think about, I, at least in my experience, we think about grief. We think about someone has died, Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily always have to be the loss of a person. It can be a loss of anything, the death of anything, the ending of anything. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of those, those experiences, the non-death, but also what's called these secondary losses. So for example, say you have a friend pass away, a best friend. So now that person is gone, their physical body, you can no longer communicate on that physical level with them. But now you've also lost your best friend, the the person that they were to you, the the identity of the best friend. And then you might even turn around and say, well, am I a best friend now? My best friend has died who like, am I a best friend to someone? And, and you hear that, I think a lot with people, you know, whether it's any kind of relationship, really, where, say, for example, a spouse dies, am I still a wife, if my husband has died? So there's those ideas of those secondary losses, where yes, the person is gone, but now, also the identity or the that relationship itself.
0: Wow. I hadn't thought of that before. And it, yeah. And I can also, I I can see that in my own life that when I lost my dad, I also grieved for my childhood home because we sold the house.
1: right?
0: And that was, and I never expected that, but I grieved the loss of the house because that was, that was always home no matter where I lived, that was home base. And, and what you just said made so much sense. Now I can realize, okay. Yeah, I was, I was grieving the loss of a house
1: yeah well and actually this is a great segue into another form of grief which we were talking about earlier called disenfranchised grief where it's often grief that goes unrecognized in our society so for example the grief of a house Mm -hmm. people might say to you well it's just a house you you know it's not a it's not a person it's it's you know it's an object an item a location etc but you're right. It's not. It's it's not just the house. It's the memories. It's the time you spent there. It's the right and totally. So that's this idea of disenfranchised grief. Whether that's yeah, the loss of a house. We were speaking earlier about the loss of a pet. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the loss of a grandparent. You know, there's a lot of ideas around about. Well, they're older now, and this is what happens when you get old. You you get ill. You die. You pass away. But for some, I mean, their grandparent is perhaps the most important person to them in their entire, you know, world. And so we can never just assume what someone's experiencing.
0: Yeah. And I'm, you know, what I'm sort of getting from what you're saying is that there's also, and and this again is another new idea for me, um, but the loss of the relationship. That's not just the person, but the connection with the person. And that's... um, and i can really see that with grandparents you know i think about my own grandparents or my husband's grandmother when she passed that it wasn't just her but it was the relationship between the two is gone and and that's a whole other type of grief i i think that it's uh it's not just the person so it doesn't matter how old they were or you know or who that person was to you it was the relationship that's also lost
1: exactly um, And you know, there is this idea of what's called continuing bonds, and so this is one grief theory. So the idea with continuing bonds is that, yes, that person is, is physically gone, you won't be able to create any new memories, you won't have any new experiences with them. But there is a way to continue some of those relationships and bonds throughout life. So for example, you have a grandparent pass away. So maybe on their birthday, you celebrate them in some way, you have their favorite meal, or you speak to them if if you're comfortable doing that. And you ask them to give you some kind of message that they're listening, or you ask them for advice, or you think about what they would tell you in a situation when you're having a hard time. Right. Um, So this continuing bonds theory is 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 basically saying that yeah we can continue these relationships in a in a way in some form and i think that that's important especially when we're talking about this idea that we'll grieve and then we'll finish grieving at some point with the continuing bonds theory is you're going to continue to grieve but you're also going to take that relationship and and carry it with you until you eventually pass as well and I think that if we can do that in some capacity, you know, even if it's something as simple as sitting down when you're outside and just, again, maybe thinking, just thinking about that person. Or if you see, you know, a vehicle that drives by and it was the same vehicle that your loved one drove, it's just these reminders that the relationship hasn't necessarily ended in all capacities in some ways it has because yeah you're not going to be able to create these new experiences with them in that physical form um, but can you still continue and foster that relationship in some way
0: I love that I think that's so beautiful yeah and something that I've sort of had on my mind that's come for me a few times and it's it's how social media has maybe changed how we grieve or or maybe it's a different type of grief i don't know but i i always struggle with if it's someone who's a social media contact and they pass away Mm -hmm. of what is appropriate grief for that and i've talked to my husband about it where i go i I feel like i knew this person i was never physically in their space or very rarely but i had a connection with them and then i go through this whole thing in my head of what's appropriate to do? Mm-hmm. Like, do I post something? I don't want people to think that this was my closest friend, but yet I feel um, like I want to acknowledge their passing. And to me, that's a whole different, it feels like a very different type of grief that maybe we wouldn't have experienced before, but we have different connections that are formed online. And it's, it to me, it feels so strange when that happens. And I never know what do I do? And what, how do I respond to this? and. And how do I honor this very different relationship that wasn't someone I'm close to or see all the time, but I still feel it.
1: Exactly. And I think what you just said there is so important. I feel it. That's what matters, you know, whether you knew the person really well or not. If you feel impacted by it, then you're impacted by it. And that's, Mm -hmm. I would say, again, another, example of this idea of disenfranchised grief. So sometimes we do that, right? We play through, but I didn't really know them that well. Why am I so Mm -hmm. upset about this? Why, why have I, you know, been so impacted in this way? And and like you're saying, I want to acknowledge them. I want to, and I think that letting yourself feel the things that you're feeling and also do the things that you want to do. I mean, I think that that the way for others to to learn that that's okay it's okay if we we didn't know this person super super well but of course we're still impacted by their their death I mean we're human beings after all and I think that sometimes right. those things just remind us too right of of the the fragility of of our our existence
0: mm-hmm. yeah for sure and and what about you know, when someone else is grieving for example how do we i never know what to say i always struggle with that and i find that i just say the same thing every time because i don't know what to say and i feel like i'm at a loss how do we handle someone else's grief how do we support someone without feeling like we're just saying the right words or being socially appropriate Um, what do we say
1: (laughs) yeah I get this question a lot. Actually, it's been so interesting to watch over the last few months, as I've really started to let people know, this is what I'm really passionate about. People have been messaging me about certain circumstances. You know, what do I say to my coworker? What do I, and sometimes I think just that saying to someone that you don't have the words, you, you don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And check in with them ongoing, you know? I mean, sometimes we think we have to like do it all in that one moment. Like how, yes. how can I like I have to do the right thing right now. But for example, if it's a coworker and, and your coworker had a loss and now they're back at work, you might be seeing them on an ongoing basis. And so you have those opportunities to continue the conversation with them. And that might just be asking them, you know, how are you doing today? Um and I think that question is really powerful because you know how we're so just we just naturally ask that question how are you how are you These are the first things that we say right but if we can get more intentional about it and really ask someone how are you doing today that just I don't know I feel like that gives people an opportunity to really just okay today is a rougher day okay mm-hmm right or maybe another day because we know that with grief i mean one day might be okay and and another day may not and i think Uh when we say how are you today it just gives that person that opportunity to maybe actually think about it and, and answer in a way that that feels that resonates with them in that moment but sometimes just saying i don't know what to say is okay and there's so much, uh, you know, I think we always have the best intentions. Um, right. But a lot of the time it's this kind of, you know, let me know if you need anything and, but how often, you know, does, Mm -hmm. right. Like it's sort Uh. of one of those, but is that person probably going to let you know, or probably not. Right. And so I think that ongoing check-in and, and, you know, if someone is, is, there again just with this example of a workplace if you're checking with someone and asking them how they are you know they can always tell you to and let you know if they mm-hmm. don't necessarily want to talk about it but i think if they do and they are feeling that you know you're a safe person for them to, to say how they're doing then that might be something that is really helpful for them in that moment mm-hmm. and they might not feel so isolated in their experience so So those are a couple of things and, and, you know, you're so right, like we do have those kind of, you know, I'm sorry for your loss, I'm sorry this happened to you. And I know that those things can um, just kind of feel like we just almost have to say them, like what else do we say? Yeah. But I think it's also important to know that, you know, In that moment, it's almost sometimes not even so much about what we say, right? It it can be even what can we do? So maybe we bring that coworker a coffee in the morning, um, you know, or maybe we offer to take a friend's dog for a walk,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, and and show up through action as well.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's very helpful. (laughs)
1: Because sometimes, you know, we have like, we want, we want to do what's best. We want to help. We care. And, yeah. and as we've been talking about, this is one of those areas of life that even though it's such a shared human experience, it's one of those things that we just, we, we don't know. We don't know what to say. We don't want to offend. We don't want to hurt anyone. And, and it's just tricky and grief is tricky and messy. Right. And it's okay. Okay. Yeah. Another thing too, right? If you if you if you mess up and you say the wrong thing, that's okay too, right? And and you could you yeah. could apologize to that person and you could say, you know, I'll well, I'm I'm gonna do better for next time, or just say that to yourself. Um, it's okay, that's gonna happen. Like we're we are human sure. beings after all, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. and I think um, you know, and also just from my experience, giving people the space to grieve however they need to grieve. You know, uh, I had a friend get very upset with me because I wasn't going to him to talk about my dad and what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and so he made all kinds of assumptions about what that meant about our friendship and that I wasn't grieving the right way and, and all of these things. But it was just that just wasn't the place I was going to that wasn't, uh, I had other people I was talking to and so I think it's also important to be mindful of that someone's grief might not look like how you grieve and being okay with that
1: Mm, that's so true and I hear that a lot with my clients um people there's yeah the assumption around what's the right way Mm -hmm. And there is no, there isn't really no right way. And there's no necessarily wrong way. I mean, we're all going to have that experience in our own way. Yes. And that can be tricky because of course, right. We, we do, we do worry about people. We are concerned. We want the best for them. Mm -hmm. But like you said, allowing people to have their experience is really important. And also then reflecting, you know, like I'm just thinking for your friend, right. I mean, and that might be something that just for him that like he could get curious about about that himself, right? And and just recognize what was it about that for him that he didn't think you were doing it the right way, you know? And
0: yeah, yeah. And so once we're, you know, when we experience a loss, how do we move forward from there? And and do we move forward from there? What does what does that look like?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we absolutely do move forward, right? Life continues, continues on. And I think that that's one of the things that people struggle with the most is this idea that life just continues and how can that even be? Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that I've experienced that as well. It's this idea around how can, can we just keep going, you know, and, and, I think a lot of times people don't even want to there's the idea that you know life without this certain person or this Mm -hmm. you know certain certain thing is just not what they had in mind and and so i think in those initial stages really taking the time that you need you know and and oftentimes if if people can you know taking time off work Mm -hmm. um, you know letting yourself stay at home cry sleep be with people that you love and and again everybody's experiences are so different right because some people can't sleep and other people that's all they want to do is sleep and yeah know that what you're experiencing is not wrong and it's it's important to let yourself do whatever you need to do and and as as things do evolve and and as the days go by. And, and you know, like, I think we were talking about earlier, where maybe you do notice something shifts, or you do just start to feel more clear in your in your head and what you're capable of doing in your day to day, you know, maybe you are noticing, oh, I'm able to take on more tasks uh, than I was even, you know, a couple weeks ago, and I'm feeling like I have more, yeah, capacity in my days. And mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of like, baby, like just baby steps, right? What can I do today? What can I do right now in this moment? Asking yourself that question, what do I need? What can I do? What's going to be the most helpful for me right now? And then letting yourself go to that place too. Because I think sometimes we feel this sense of guilt and we don't want to feel good because how could we dare feel good when the worst thing has just happened um you know and and those little steps forward are i think really important in the early stages and as things like i said evolve and, and we continue to move forward with an integration of our loss that idea of the continuing bonds as well right so say for example Oh, geez, maybe a couple of years have gone by since a loss and maybe someone's noticing that, you know, the waves still come, but they're not coming as intensely anymore and and they're feeling, you know, they're really excited about a new project or a trip or so, you know, let yourself do that, those things and let yourself have that enjoyment and in the moments that are tougher know allow yourself that time as well and and know to who who is a safe person you can go to right like you talked about having your people that you went to and maybe that means working with you know a counselor or therapist of some sort um, a coach through through your experience i'm a big fan of the holistic perspective when it comes to anything right and so what does that look like in terms of just the basic needs sleep nutrition movement um socialization relationships
0: yeah yeah i think um one of the greatest gifts one of my friends did for me was she just picked me up one day she said grab a journal dress Mm -hmm. warm and we went to the beach and she's like bring your journal in case you want to write something and we went to this beautiful spot on the beach where there was all these like driftwood, like giant driftwood pieces in the middle of the winter and just sat. And she just let me sit there and be quiet and just do whatever I needed to do. And I cried, like ugly cried, snotty crying. I wrote in my journal and we just sat there for hours and didn't, like there was no pressure to talk or do anything else, but just be there. And I think that was one of the, the best things someone could have done for me.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's such a great example of giving you that space. Someone gave like allowed you that space, right? Because maybe, yeah, sometimes, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you would have done that for yourself, drove yourself to maybe not in that moment. Right. But, but she knew that, that might be something that you could benefit from in that, in that moment. And she provided that for you. And I mean, what a, what a gift.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I, from my experience, I think that a lot of, you know, where we, the reason we don't talk about these things, or we don't talk about grief or dying, is that we're so shut down on our own emotions that people are afraid of them and afraid of feeling something that might not be a positive feeling. And I think the more that we give ourselves permission to feel those things, then we can accept that in others as well, when they're, when they're grieving around us, so we can accept their feelings yeah and that it's not a bad thing exactly
1: that's such a good way of saying it right we we may not provide that space for others to feel because we don't want to feel Mm -hmm. the feelings and i mean and that's you know it's not to say that that's right or wrong it's the way that it is um but can we be aware and mindful of what's happening and then and get curious about what we can perhaps do better right and i'm hopeful that this becomes a conversation that more and more people are wanting to have willing to have something that people are maybe willing to yeah sit in and and hold space for themselves in i'm hopeful that in in that way, you know, whether it is these these kinds of big life or death questions, these life or death events, these even just the day to day, like those like we were talking about earlier, those those losses that we can experience like we have in this last year. What's it like when when we have those things with this pandemic when things are taken away from us, what what can we do? And and how can we allow ourselves, yeah, that space within that experience while also then moving forward in a way that is just going to be the most helpful for us, right? And that will look different for each and every person out there. There's no one one size fits all.
0: Absolutely. So if somebody wanted to connect with you further and... You know, learn more about what you do and how you support people what's the best way to connect with you
1: yeah so people can connect with me on instagram at shift Winnipeg. that is my main you know hub on the on the instagram right now although i recently started a new page called shifting in grief that's specifically for grief and loss and so you know, I would love for anyone to join me there. It's been, I've I've just been operating that page for a month, but it's received uh, a lot of great feedback. And I know that a lot of people are appreciative of it. And it's just interesting to connect with others on social media in that way, who are also wanting to have more of this awareness and more of these conversations. So that's two options. And then people can also connect uh, through my website at shiftwinnipeg.com.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I loved this conversation. I know I, I got a lot out of it and I know everyone listening will as well. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Make sure that you follow Amanda and the work that she's doing on her social links, which are in the show notes. And if you know a friend who you think would benefit from listening to this episode, please, please share it with even just one friend who you think that this episode could help. Thank you so much for listening today. Have a great day.